mission failed again, as it did in the first service. The, the idea was that if I came up um, just before that beautiful hymn was finished, um, Amy and Cynthia were concerned that you would applaud them. And so, um, and, I, and, I, and I told Amy before the first service started, um, they're going to applaud anyway. Um, it's not going to matter if I come up here and just stand here awkwardly before all of you. But, but let me just say our applause is um, not only gratitude for your uh, blessing us with your service, but we're um, full of joy in the Lord, aren't we? I mean, when it's well with your soul, how can you not applaud, right? All right. I can't tell you how glad I am to be back with you. Um, I want to thank you, congregation, for uh, the, the, the privilege of a sabbatical. Um, had not experienced that before. Thank you very much. Thanks for not changing the locks. Um, I, I, I was delighted on Monday morning to find that I, I could still get in, get into the building and get into my office. It hadn't been turned into a game room. And, and um, let, let, me, let me just say this. Um, some of you have asked today, right, have you come back refreshed? I am refreshed enough to be annoying to all of you. Okay? So I'm plenty refreshed. And I have been refreshed, as you have, these last many weeks. Uh, this tour through scripture that was called the city of God and, and the worship that has accompanied that has been a rich blessing to all of us. And so I, I just want to thank pastors Sean and, and Earl and Daryl. Uh, thank you, Michelle and, and Julie. This, the staff here has, serves us so well all the time. And that, of course, um, continued. So, so thank you for that. Um, why are we turning to Psalm 23? Everybody here knows Psalm 23. When we stood as a congregation and, and read Psalm 23, some of you weren't reading. You were reciting from memory, from, from long-term memory and from frequent use, the words to this precious psalm. And I know that because some of you memorized it in a different translation. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and, and it totally threw you off, didn't it? Yeah. Well, we're doing so with an awareness, as, as, as Daryl mentioned a few minutes ago, that this precious flock here in Hayden, uh, in many ways, um, is, has a sense of being led through the valley of the shadow. And by that, I simply mean that I, I can't remember a time in the history of this church when we uh, have experienced the, the bittersweetness of the Lord calling so many of our brothers and sisters home to glory. And we, and we, we, we celebrate the homecomings, and yet we grieve. And so many of us, here today even, are here today with heavy hearts. And that is a normal thing when we are traveling through a season of sorrow. There's nothing uh, weird or unusual or, or weak about you if that's where you're at. You might be unusual and weird in other ways. I don't know. I can't speak to that. But, but not because of that. That's the normal thing. But here's the deal. Think about what we just heard. It is well with us, isn't it? I wish you could hear you 
the way I heard you last Sunday, my first Sunday back, and by that I simply mean with, with fresh ears, you know, having been gone for a while, um, the joy and the contentment and the um, wellness of God's people, how would you explain that to somebody? if they were just visiting for the first time and had never experienced that and were just walking with you out into the parking lot to start their week, how would you explain that? Well, God explains it through David's song in verse 1 of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It, it, it's well with God's people in this season as it is in any season, because the Lord is our shepherd. And he, and he tends to us as a shepherd tends to his beloved sheep. He provides all that we need to live a life that he has set, up, set us apart to live for his glory. The Lord is my shepherd. David says, and, it, and it's because of him, I lack nothing. Can you say that this morning? It, it, is David singing your song? I'm not going to bore you with a long rundown of everything I did while I was away. <laughs> but I want to just share one thing this morning that I did toward the end of my time away. I grabbed my Bible, some other stuff, and I headed out into the woods to spend some time with my shepherd. And I did that in part because Daryl had told you I was going to. And, and uh, the awkwardness of coming back having not done that would have been uh, profound. But, but I mean, that was the plan. And uh, as I am prone to do, I had my own plans for how this thing was going to go down, this time alone in the woods with my Bible. And uh, on my drive down to a one-room uh, cabin near Dwarshack Reservoir, north central Idaho, I, I, I was really just blessed immediately by the, uh, just the beauty of the area, the, the forests and the uh, the, the, the rolling hills that sort of become pastures thanks to some of the farming that's done there, ranching that's done. And, and once you get past like the, the Kendrick metro area, some of you have been there. I mean, you're, there's a lot more animal than people in that part of the state, by far, by far. And as I, as I took it all in, the cattle, the, the horses, and, and, and some sheep, there was, there was an unavoidable reality that was playing out before my very eyes. The, the, the condition and the contentment of those flocks said much about the nature of their owners. I didn't know any of the owners, but I knew something about them just to know what was going on with their flocks. And I was driving through at 50, 60 miles an hour. It wasn't, it was not complicated stuff. Much of the livestock I saw were well-tended. They enjoyed well-maintained pastures and, and secure fences. And I have no idea if livestock get happy. Um, but if they do, these seemed happy, right? 
who knows what's going on in their heads. But, but every once in a while, I saw the opposite of that. Crummy pasture dotted with weeds, stumps, rusted out cars, and fences that were in such disrepair, they, you know, it seemed kind of wrong to call it a fence, you know. Uh, a predator or a thief could easily get at the animals. And again, I don't know what animals think or if they think, but, I, but they didn't seem happy. Um, unkempt, dirty, thin. Uh, I, I saw one sheep uh, wandering aimlessly outside its pasture because it couldn't figure out how to get back inside. There was a fence there, all anxious. And I'm not the brightest bulb, but it occurred to me that I was driving through a living illustration of Psalm 23. It was unavoidable. And you know what I said earlier, the, the, the condition and the contentment of flocks says much about the nature of their owners. Do you realize that's true for people too? Your life bears evidence of the nature of your owner. Wellness of soul or lack thereof testifies to your ultimate source of contentment and, and security. And hope. So I couldn't help but meditate on Psalm 23. And it was just between, it was just the Lord and me. I wasn't thinking about this message or that there would be a, a series of messages from this psalm. This is, this is just me and my shepherd. The wellness of God's sheep has everything to do with their relationship to their shepherd. Not their present circumstances. Not, not the uncertainty of their earthly future. The relationship with the shepherd is everything. And Psalm 23 sings to us about the pilgrimage of the people of God. And, and it's a pilgrimage that begins the moment God's grace awakens your heart to see the Lord, as he truly is, your shepherd. To know him intimately. To know God personally, not as an idea to be studied. A doctrinal position to be memorized, that sort of thing. But a living relationship. Do you, listen, do you have a living relationship with God? So that you can say with David, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And, and all throughout this pilgrimage, listen, you lack absolutely nothing that is necessary for you to live out the life God has ordained for you to live. Nothing. Why? Because you're mature and capable and experienced. No, because you're attached to the shepherd. And when the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not want. You will lack nothing. Anyway, I'm meditating all, on all of this in my car on a, on a sunny October morning. And um, just before I started down the, the, 
the grade that, that takes you down to Dwarshak Reservoir and, the, and this little cabin that I was excited to see. Um, turns out it was um, quite little. Um, I noticed uh, a, a, a private road off to my right. I knew it was private because it had the, one of those blue signs, street signs, and, and, and the name of the road was Good Shepherd Way. And well, that, that's interesting, and we don't read you know, circumstances like tea leaves, that sort of thing, but um, it, it reinforced my, um, the length of time I spent meditating on Psalm 23. Just, uh, just leave it at that. Long story short, I ended up adjusting the, the study time I had planned uh, for this week in the woods. Um, and I spent a lot of time the next four days and nights out in, the, out in the, the trees there staring at Psalm 23 in my Bible. And I want you all to be staring at Psalm 23 in your Bible. I, I know you know it. I know you've memorized it. I know some of it will be on the screen. I don't care. Just indulge me. And, and practice staring at it in your Bible. I did this for four days and four nights. But the wonderful thing about meditate is you can do other stuff at the same time. So I fished and I hiked and I, I, I wondered whether the scat on the trail was from the cougar that the park ranger warned me about before he drove off. You know, I did, I did all sorts of other stuff. But God has designed his people so that we can walk and chew gum at the same time. Most people here can do that. You can meditate on the word of God all the time. Turns out, says Psalm 1, we should do that as those who delight in the law of the Lord. And this beautiful, well-known song in Israel's ancient hymn book is a song of dependence upon God. And it's a song of allegiance to God. Did you know that? And it's a song of perseverance in God. It is not a psalm that promises a, an easy life to God's sheep. It isn't a song that, that promises that if you know these words, then you're one of the blessed people that David says he is. It's none of that. And yet it's so much more than that for God's people. And here's the thing. This, this song of dependence upon God, the song of, of, of allegiance to God, and the, the, the song of perseverance in God, it's not everybody's song. It's not for everybody. It's only for the people of God. And David sings of this, this pilgrimage among the people of God that begins when you first know the Lord, when he opens your heart by his grace and you have this relationship with the living God, a soul connection to God who has enlivened you by his spirit. And then you continue to enjoy his tender, strong, relentless care even when your enemies surround you, even when you face death itself, the one who conquered death for you is present. And so you journey all along and you experience 
eventually one day what David describes in verse 6 as dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. Do you realize that that is not just a location? Anyway, Psalm 23, it's the cadence of the Christian life. The Lord is, I shall not. The Lord is, I shall. Well, how long are you going to be doing that? All the days of my life. Well, then what? I shall dwell in the house of my God forever. That's the cadence of our pilgrimage in Christ. Let me ask you something. Is that, is that the cadence of your life? Is that the drumbeat you live to? Or are you marching to your own drumbeat? The pace and way set by the God of this world who is pleased to let you live thinking you are self-cared for, who leads his sheep on paths to destruction. What a difference there is between knowing the psalm and knowing the psalm's shepherd. And it may seem to some of you that I'm, I'm belaboring the point. I just, just give you a tip here. We're not going to get too far beyond the first five words. Why? Because my burden is that you know the shepherd. I, I understand that you know the psalm. Do you know the shepherd? Now it's plain enough, I trust, to see how Psalm 23 is a song of dependence upon God. Just look, look at the text in your, in your Bibles. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. This is all to do with the Lord and what he does. And the name Lord, all capital letters as it is in your Bibles there, indicates the Hebrew word Yahweh. Or I should say the Hebrew letters that give us that name Yahweh. The, the eternal, self-existent one. The one true God. The whole world has always been full of people worshiping false gods. How many of you know they're not gods? There aren't different kinds of gods. There is one God, Yahweh, the creator and sustainer of all things. But, but there's more to this name. Don't miss this. Yahweh is the name God himself gave for his covenant people to use as a sort of proper name for him. Many of the names of God that we're so familiar with in our Bibles are are metaphorical names. Shepherd is such a name. It's descriptive of the nature of Yahweh. Yahweh is God's self-disclosure. This is the name the God of Israel gave to his people through Moses. You, you all know this. Moses says, who should I tell the people sent me to them? And God says, you tell them, I am sent you. I am who I am. The, the one and only God, the God who has chosen a people for myself, for my own glory, and has graciously made a covenant 
with these people. Not all people. His people. You see, to some, God says, I will be your God and you will be my people. Moses tells the people they're going to be liberated and led and provided for and brought safely into a land and a life of promise by me. I am Yahweh. And so in Psalm 23, David, his heart thrills with wonder and delight and confidence that the Lord, Yahweh, knows him personally as a shepherd knows his sheep. And David knows God, the one true God, personally as a sheep knows its shepherd. Do you know God this way? Intimately, personally. David's heart sings with, with this, the glad certainty that, that the, the God who, who placed the stars millions of miles away from here and keeps them hanging there is nonetheless not way out there someplace, distant and cold and, or, or merely conceptual, you know, unknowable. No. The Lord, Yahweh, God himself is personal to his sheep. And the Lord who covenants with his people by grace is present with his sheep. When? Always. The Lord, Yahweh, is powerful for his sheep, for his glory. When? All the time. In fact, God exerts his power on behalf of his people so they've, they, they've no cause to want. They, they, they lack nothing they need as they follow him to their destination. And by the way, the destination is not just a place. God is the destination. What a declaration of dependence this is. And I mention this because we folk, good Americans that we are, thrill at the thought of independence. We're kind of lone wolves in that way. I got this. I can manage my life. I don't need anything from nobody. Do you know what you are? A sheep. You know what I am? A sheep. You know what sheep are like? They need everything. You know what they have in and of themselves? Zip. My personal, present, powerful shepherd, David says, is God. And it's a song of dependence upon God because we understand sheep can't feed themselves. Sheep can't quiet themselves. Sheep cannot protect themselves. Sheep don't know the way they are to go in and of themselves. But the lie is they all think they do. (laughs) Remember that sheep I saw all anxious and weirded out trying to figure out how to get back into its pasture 
there was a gap in that smashed up fence you could drive a tractor through. It, w it was not super complicated how to get back into the pasture. God's sheep depend upon him because they must depend upon him. And he is all sufficient. Is this song of dependence upon God your song? Or are you self-dependent and self-led? Though you are a religious person. Maybe you live with the idea that God is distant and, and, and only re relevant and available when you really feel you need him. How many of you know you need him whether you feel it or not? And he loves you enough to occasionally let you know just how much you need him by feeling. So here is David metaphorically and, and in melody proclaiming that God's sheep cannot even be nourished each day apart from the faithfulness of their shepherd. And what are these green pastures that we must be made to lie down in? Do you ever think about that? What are these words talking about? Who else here eats grass? All right, so, so we need to know what on earth is this? Well, we'll squeeze this a little bit more next week, Lord willing. But let me, let me just give you a quick illustration. A few days ago, a gentleman calls the church office, and, and he mentioned to me that he had just visited HBC last week, and um, he um, lives um, in a state west of here, and for whatever reason hasn't been able to be in fellowship the way we are privileged to be in fellowship here. And, and he said, you know... Um, I, I, I can't really explain it, uh, but, but somehow um, with the communion service and, and baptism and, and, and the worship of, of, of people toward God, uh, the, the proclamation of the word, uh, fellowship, he, he said, it seems like your people love each other. Um, <laughs> He said, I, I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it, but I just left so encouraged. I just left so... He's not talking about emotionalism. He just said, I, I felt so strengthened in my faith. Well, how do you explain that? It, it, see, one of God's sheep had been made to lie down in green pastures. That's how you explain it. That's what happened. You see, your shepherd has means of nourishing you that you need to know about if you're to be nourished. You and I don't decide what the green pastures are. That's the whole point. We're sheep. We must be led to them. So just think about last Sunday. The word of God declared, the sacraments as they were called, uh, the fellowship of believers, the, the, the glad worship of God's people. Um, those are... <laughs> the green pastures that we desperately need. And, and, and that's the Lord's day. What of privately feeding on the word of God? What of private worship? Do you worship God privately, personally? Or are you like a sheep that's decided to eat only on Sundays and see how it goes? You get the idea. 
David's song is a song of dependence upon God. And, and Psalm 23 is a song of allegiance to God. Just look at verse 4 with me. David says, you, Yahweh, you, the Lord, are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Yahweh, the shepherd, is Yahweh, the king. He's the, the gracious host who lays out a banquet to his people. Even though there are enemies to their very souls, encamped all around. And we understand that David was known as Israel's shepherd king because he spent an awful lot of his early days watching his daddy's sheep. He was a shepherd, the son of a shepherd. But as many of you know, ancient kings were regarded as the shepherds of their people. The nature of the king reflected upon the nature of the people. The nature of the people reflected upon the reality of the king. So when people thought of kings and judges and, and other leaders, they, the, the shepherding metaphor was, was on their minds. It was descriptive of the role of their leaders. And going all the way back to the patriarchs, you read of this in Genesis. And then, then to the, the time of David being anointed king in Israel. 2 Samuel 5.2, for example, you know, the Lord said of, of David's coronation, you shall shepherd my people Israel and be ruler over Israel. Well, that's interesting because David now writes a song, one of David's greatest hits, right? And, and in the song, it's the Lord is my shepherd. Well, I thought David was the shepherd king of Israel. What is he saying? Yahweh is my shepherd. The king behind the throne of Israel is God himself, not me. I'm one of the sheep. So David sings this song of dependence and allegiance to God. In other words, his subordination to and submission to God. Do you think of your relationship with God that way? That he is God and you are not and so you are subordinate to him? Your role as the sheep is to submit to him? Let me put it this way. If you're one of these dear ones who has this bumper sticker that says, God is my co-pilot, I beg you not to let me see that. I will rip it off your car in, in love, in Christian love, uh, for, for, for your benefit, okay? Because it's, you know what that is? That's heresy. God is nobody's co-pilot. He's the king. He's the shepherd. We're the sheep. He does not exist so that when we feel like we need him, we can call him alongside us to help us win the baseball game or get the, the, the latest person we favor elected. That is absurd. He's the king of glory. He's the self-existent one. He is eternal God. He's not your co-pilot. David understands this. 
Let me ask you something. Who, who is your king? Who rules your life? Is it the Lord? Is it the Lord whom you turn to when you know you are insecure, when you know you have need for strength of heart, when you lack wisdom to get through even today? Sometimes your life is that way. Or do you go elsewhere to other pastures? You know that little slogan, um, the grass is always greener, and it usually has something to do with a septic tank or something, but here's the thing. If you're, one of, if you're one of God's sheep, the grass could not be greener. There is no other there, over there, okay? And, and, and this matters much, friend, because everything else in this psalm is predicated upon this one reality. Is the Lord your shepherd? Because all of the blessings of belonging to the shepherd king only belong to his sheep. So you know the psalm. Do you know the shepherd? What do you suppose I meant earlier when I said um, Yahweh does not relate to all people as a shepherd does his sheep? Because some of you were thinking and you, you... I could see it on your faces. Some, some of you were thinking, um, eh, I don't know about that. I mean, God loves everybody. God is love. And listen, um, many people all over the world thrill at the idea of God as their personal shepherd. And, and this psalm even is hanging on the wall. And it's going to be made into a nice wall hanging. But do you realize that Psalm 23 has been misappropriated all over the world the way some people wear a cross around their neck simply because it matches the earrings. Psalm 23 is to do with God and his sheep, his people. Are you in a hurry? You get one more story? Um, I got to think of what it was. Um, when, my, when my time in the woods ended, um, and let me just say, when you've been isolated for a while and haven't bathed for that exact amount of time, and um, my thinking was not the best, but I, as I was driving home, I had resolved to, I'm going to stop along Good Shepherd Way because I, I, I need to know the person who put up that sign. I don't know if they're one of God's sheep, but if they are, they're sure going to want to talk about him. And if they aren't, I could sure have an opportunity to tell them about him. I mean, how can you have a sign like that and not see that as, a, as an opportunity to witness to somebody, right? Um, but anyway, I, I obviously wasn't thinking super clearly, but I, I, uh, I stopped at the sign, but I never got to meet the landowner. Now, and I'll tell you why. Uh, because as I, as I parked right next to the sign, not going 60 miles an hour now, just sitting there staring at it, which probably looked weird, um, I saw that there was a smaller sign, a sm little white square sign on the same post, and it said, private road, guests only. And it was very disappointing. 
because uh, I wasn't a guest and I was the public, not, you know, private. And I mention that because there may be some here this morning among us, some who know the words to this wonderful poem set to music. And yet, there's a sense of disappointment because this life of contentment and wellness and security that is irrespective of circumstantial stuff happening in your life, that sounds so wonderful and it sounds so far away from your reality. And religion itself to you seems like an event that you go to. It's a belief system that you have learned and and try to act out. But it doesn't exist in the realm of a lively relationship, a heart relationship with the living God. Let me just encourage you with this this morning. And we're getting close to the end, but not not terribly close. So just just settle in here for a little bit more. Um, this God as shepherd thing is all over your Bible. I mean, from Genesis to Exodus to the Psalms to uh, the Gospels to the book of Revelation, your whole Bible presents you with this God as shepherd of his people thing. It's not like David, you know, had a just a creative urge to use that. He was led of the Spirit purposefully to help us understand the nature of our God. Jesus said this in John 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And and you understand since, since God's people, Israel, knew all about this Yahweh, the shepherd thing, they understood Jesus to be declaring his deity. That's why they accused him of blasphemy. Was Jesus of Nazareth really claiming to be God? The shepherd of his elect people? Yes. Yes. Jesus is God. Yahweh himself, the shepherd king of his covenant people, has come in the flesh, in person, in the person of Jesus Christ, to do for his people. Are you one of his people? Jesus came to do for you what you as a sheep cannot do for yourself. And that is bring you to God. Bring you into the sheepfold, if you will. And the Jewish temple leaders, when they first heard that, they were absolutely outraged, not because the idea of a of, of sheep and shepherd made them mad. They, they were offended that Jesus said, I am God. I am the good shepherd. You all need me. And to help them and us understand with certainty, Jesus then said, I am my father are one. And just in case you missed the shepherd thing, I and my father are one. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And, and you might be thinking, well, wait a minute, that's, that's 
New Testament stuff, right? That's gospel. That's, that's New Testament stuff. We're, we're in the Old Testament, and in the Old Testament, God's really mad at his people, and then in the New Testament, he's, he's nice to his people. Aren't you glad you don't think that way? I mean, you know, God is immutable. He's, he, he doesn't change. He has no need to change. It's important to consider Psalm 23 then in context of where it is even in the book of Psalms. Think of where it is in the Psalter. And this is so complex and so complicated. Let me just spell it out for you. Psalm 23 comes after Psalm 22. <laughs> Write that down. <laughs> Why do I put it that way? Listen to the first verse of Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Wait a minute. Where, where do our minds go when we hear those words? Well, we're, we're at Calvary, aren't we? We're at the foot of the cross. And in Psalm 22, we're not just sort of watching on from afar as we are in the gospel narratives. We're, we're hearing the very thoughts of the good shepherd as he gives his life for the sheep. Why is this so important? Because there are no green pastures for you, as in Psalm 23, uh, apart from the suffering of the good shepherd in Psalm 22. Before you and I could enjoy the still waters of Psalm 23, the good shepherd had to say, I thirst from a cross as prophesied in Psalm 22. Listen to Psalm 22 again. My strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. They divide my garments among them and for my clothing they cast lots. That's Calvary, isn't it? And yet, how does Psalm 22 end? Those of you who read it uh, earlier this week, as was suggested, not with the shepherd's death, but with his life. How interesting. I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will praise you. The only way for you and I to be able to say the Lord is my shepherd is to come to God via Psalm 22, there is only one gateway into the sheepfold of God, and that is Christ Jesus. Doesn't the scripture say there's only one mediator between God and man? Oh, how you need this Jesus. You come broken and humbled at the feet of Jesus, the good shepherd who laid down his life for you to pay the penalty that your sin deserves the holy life you owe God and don't have to offer God the life that he lived in your place. You need this Jesus. You're dependent on him. You yield your allegiance to him. That's when you can say, as David does, I know God personally. He's my shepherd. Jesus said to the Pharisees who, who got really angry when he said, I am the good shepherd. Jesus said, you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. How interesting. 
He didn't say, you're not my sheep because you don't believe. As it turns out, that's really important. God is sovereign in all things, including salvation. He has his elect people, and he is calling them to himself in the gospel. And so you don't have to worry about, well, gosh, I wonder, I wonder if I'm an elect person. Let me just ask you this. And on the authority of what Jesus said, do you believe in him? Do you believe he is your savior and substitute, that he brings you into the sheepfold of God? Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Do you realize that contrary to popular Christian culture, what the Bible teaches is that there's no such thing as a saved person who doesn't follow Jesus. Now, some of us follow at different levels of closeness, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that when we study the psalm. You guys know part of my background. I'm a prodigal. I don't recommend that to anybody. Are you following Jesus? Let me just end with this. A song of dependence upon God, a song of allegiance to God, and lastly, a song of perseverance in God. We are learning by experience what we have known up here. The Christian life is not an easy life. (laughs) But as I said earlier, it's the abundant life. And we are at times surrounded by fierce enemies. And sometimes they're material, physical. Sometimes they are not. We're surrounded by enemies like doubt and temptation to sin insecurities, spiritual attacks. But the thing is, it is well with us, God's people. Just as it was well for those Hebrew slaves on that first Passover night, when death was wreaking havoc around Pharaoh's Egypt because the blood of the lamb had been applied to them and it would be well with them no matter what else happened. The Lord was and is the shepherd of his people. And he keeps us secure in such a way, David says, that goodness and mercy chase after the sheep like sheepdogs working for the shepherd. You can't get away from them. How long? All the days of your life. Culminating in what? Well, a glorious future, David says, and that glorious future is actually described in Psalm 24. Listen to this. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. See, the order of these psalms is important to us. In Psalm 22, the good shepherd has come and he's given his life for his sheep. In Psalm 24, the good shepherd's work is is finished. He He has accomplished what the Father sent him to accomplish and he has ascended heaven's throne, ruling over all things. And even now, says Psalm 23, he shepherds his people all the way home to the life He's prepared for them to have. That's 
That's the cadence of the Christian life. I pray it's yours. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this truth. We, we thank you for this beautiful song that is so familiar to us. And Lord, as we just begin to put our toe in the water and, and begin to, to, to study it, Lord, I, I pray that among us we would be those who don't merely know the psalm, but, but by your grace know the shepherd. We ask this for your namesake.